Thank you for listening to CG Life with Steve Quartz. It's my hope that today's message will help you find and live the extraordinary life Jesus gives. After listening to this podcast, I'd like to invite you to connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for more updates and resources. So this is an unusual weekend because it actually is the Sunday before Christmas, which lands on a Sunday. And as we looked at, uh, the, at the calendar, and as we looked at the schedule, as we looked at this Sunday and thought about the next Sunday, it became very clear to me, very apparent to me that what this Sunday really needed to be about was preparation for the Sunday that is about to come. Now we often will work very hard to prepare for Christmas, don't we? We find the tree. We find the ornaments, we put them all out, we plan our meals and we plan our gifts or we celebrate the fact that the gifts have already been planned and purchased and Amazon was on time and they're in place. But one of the things that I wonder if we haven't lost or missed is the fact that Christmas requires, if it really is to be celebrated, if it really is to be a time of reflection, which is what a holiday is, a holiday is a holy day, a day set apart for celebration and for reflection on something God has done, that if we're going actually to celebrate this day coming, there is a certain measure of preparation that goes beyond the right tree, the right gifts, the right garlands, the right this, the right that, the right food and whatever. There's a heart preparation. And so today, I want to challenge you to do something perhaps that you've never done before. And that is, I want you to think with me about preparing for Christmas a week from today by preparing your heart. And I want to uh, point you in the direction of how that's actually done. So let's begin here. Behind every great story, there is a series of stories behind it. And if we don't understand those stories, we, we will have a hard time understanding the greatness of the great story. We won't understand it better. We won't appreciate it as we should. The Christmas story is absolutely no different. In fact, I don't think it's really possible for us to grasp the impact uh, that of uh, the message the angels shared with the shepherds on the night of Jesus' birth. When they said in those words that you and I have, most of us have heard uh, time and time again, when they said, when the, the angel, the lead angel said to the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. I don't think we fully get or understand the impact of that message. Now, it was an extraordinary thing to be greeted in the middle of the night by angels dazzling with light. No question about it, extraordinary and wonderful. It would have caused us to shake with fear just like it shook them with fear. But what was more amazing than the appearance of the angels was the content of the message that the angel gave to the shepherds. 
And it was that message that caused them to stand up, sit up and stay focused on what was taking place. Three great titles mentioned in Luke 2, used to describe the baby waiting to be discovered, laying in a manger, Savior, Messiah, Lord. And this was astounding. This announcement was the answer to hundreds upon hundreds of years of prayer. Behind this announcement, there was a divine promise made. In the announcement, the declaration of a promise kept. It was a divine promise that even lowly shepherds knew, a promise first made to Israel's greatest King David. The promise, a promise that came as a special gift from God, not only to David, but to all of God's people. It was a promise that showed God's steadfast love and his faithfulness. It was a pledge of steadfast love and faithfulness in the present and in the future. And the promise was this, that David's throne would never end, that his descendants would rule and reign without end, and that through David, God would provide a ruler unlike any other ruler the world has ever seen, one who would rule faithfully and would lead people to live faithfully for God and be blessed with all that the human heart longs for, peace that shalom, that wholeness, the wellness, the fullness that alone brings joy. And so this promise to David became the source of great hope and high expectations for God's people. But it also became the source of much waiting and even distress. Why? Well, because the story of Israel's kings, of its Davidic kings, told to us in the Old Testament, shows us that not one of them, not one of them succeeded in ruling faithfully. Not one of them succeeded in leading God's people to live faithfully. That included David himself. And so from the great David, a man whose heart was like God's, a man after God's own heart, even David failed to lead faithfully. Even David failed to lead the people to live faithfully. Time and time again, those who are meant to rule, ruled foolishly. Those who were meant to lead others to faithfulness lived unfaithful lives themselves. It has been the human predicament that in the end we cannot trust our leaders because they are just like us. They are not faithful. They are not capable of faithfulness. Twenty of his descendants followed David as king until finally King Zedekiah saw the judgment of God come on Jerusalem and on David's house, and the city and the nation were completely destroyed by the Babylonians. And from, for generations then on, the faithful people of God prayed earnestly that God's promise somehow might be fulfilled. And through the generations, God did a, a most amazing thing, and we see it as the Old Testament comes to a close. He starts sprinkling his word to his people with signs 
and prophecies and pictures of a king who is yet to come, of a king who is yet to appear. There was coming one from David's line who would be wise and good and strong and faithful. And the prophecies encouraged God's people to be ready. The prophecies encouraged God's people to get ready. And they showed that despite the failure of the kings who had already come, God would not fail them. His steadfast love and his faithfulness to David and his people hadn't ended, even though it looked as if it had. His people were scattered and scattered to the nations, and it looked as if there was no help, and it looked as if there was no hope, and it looked as if the darkness had won and the light had been defeated. But God, through his prophets, pictures and signs and prophecies, said to them, I, I will not fail you. My steadfast love and my faithfulness to David and to those who are my people, it hasn't ended. I have a promise for you, a better king will come. 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 No prophet gave more of these signs and pictures and prophecies of a greater king than Isaiah did. Isaiah lived 700 years before the birth of Christ. There are two prophecies in particular that God through Isaiah announced to give comfort and encouragement to his people when they needed it. Two prophecies he gave to encourage them to live ready ready for what he would do. And as we read these prophecies, we're conscious of the fact in 2022 that Isaiah is looking forward to the coming of Christ while today we look back at it. His words, when they were first given and then as they were read over the generations were used of God to create an eager expectation and a constant preparation for that unknown day when the greatest king would actually come. But Isaiah's prophecies remain a blessing for us because they help us to understand and to remember well and to celebrate well what the Jesus of Christmas means for us, for his people, and for the world. They also remind us how we can best prepare to celebrate his birth this Christmas and every Christmas because they point us to the method for looking for something more yet and still. If you have your Bibles, look with me first in Isaiah 7. Isaiah 7. And then I'll go ahead and tell you we'll be moving to Isaiah 9. Isaiah 7. In Isaiah 7, the Lord shows his people the kind of person this great king would be. In Isaiah 9, the Lord shows his people what kind of rule this king will have. In Isaiah 7, the Lord says, verse 14, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey 
when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. In short, God is saying to his people as a matter of, of, of insight, as a matter of encouragement, as a matter of comfort, God is saying to his people, there, there is still a king from David's line to come. That king will be like, unlike any that has come before. He will be born of a virgin. He, would be, he will be human like you, but his origin will be unlike yours. Indeed, he will be called Emmanuel or God with us or God among us. For that is who he will be. He will be God himself with all the power of God with all the holiness of God, with all the steadfast love and faithfulness only God has. Behold, there is a king still to come and I am that king, God is saying, I'm coming. Look again, notice in the description of Emmanuel here, we have pointers to the humility and the holiness of this God-man who was to come as the ultimate king in David's line. You see the humility of this king, this unexpected humility of this king. When King Emmanuel does come, he will eat, the scripture says, curds and whey. This was the food of the desperately poor. This was not the food of the wealthy and the rich. This was not Christmas toffee. This was not those things you and I enjoy in an abundance. This was the food of the desperately poor. It's an extraordinary picture to try to take in. God himself will come, but he will be desperately poor. He will not only take on humanity, but he's actually going to put himself in our place and into our poverty. And yet, while he's going to take on our humanity, he is also going to keep himself true to who he is as God in his holiness and in his righteousness. This is one who will know how to refuse evil and how to choose good and will do that again and again and again. In other words, this coming Emmanuel will be God doing what he must for us, coming as we are, living as we live in a sin-drenched world and yet unlike us, he will live with real holiness as a matter of life, as a matter of habit, as a matter of practice, refusing evil, choosing good. This King Emmanuel will come doing what we and the other Davidic kings never did and never could, live with faithfulness. He would be the human being we were all meant to be. And this, of course, explains then the great mystery of how any king could actually lead us to live faithfully. when our own hearts have all gone astray and long to go their own way. This Emmanuel would be the source of full forgiveness and the removal of our sin and the source of a new heart that longs to shun evil and do good just as he did. So God will keep his promise to David. He will come himself as, a, as king in his son, born of Mary, born of David's line first, as a king who saves by being as we are and where we are in a broken world full of sin. And yet, as a king who lives as he should, without any sin, faithful. So the Lord shows his people the kind of person this great king would be, and he says, trust me. Will you trust me? I know the, the night is dark, and I know the times are hard, but will you trust me? 
I know the darkness seems to be getting darker. And right now, he says to his people, it seems there's no way that David's line would ever rule or reign or that there will ever be a ruler who we can trust. But trust me, be ready, be faithful. And I wanna remind you, even in the midst of your darkness, my steadfast love has not been lost. My faithfulness remains. My king, my king, he's coming. Second in Isaiah 9, 2 to 7, the Lord shows what kind of rule this king will have. He says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. The picture is of the king's arrival and of its impact. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. And as a consequence of that, The response is this, Lord, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Why? For the yoke of his burden, of your people's burden, and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Why? For to us, a child is born. A particular child is born. To us, a son is given. A particular son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And I love this picture, the Prince of Peace. May I say to you that wherever Jesus rules, peace reigns. Wherever Jesus rules, peace reigns. When Jesus rules in your heart, peace reigns. When Jesus comes and his rule is finally established over all the earth, peace, wholeness, wellness, fullness, completeness will finally reign and be present in this world. Where Jesus Reigns, peace, rules. And I love the close in verse seven of the increase of his government, of the increase of his rule. And the increase, what's the word there? Of his peace. There will be, do you see it? No end. On the throne of David, there you go and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, he will reign from this time forth and forevermore. What is he saying? What is he promising? I will keep my promise. I will not fail you. This coming king's reign will be like a light, piercing the deep darkness of our world, piercing through its chaos and its conflict and its enslavement caused by sin. The consequence of his light will be that every human, every, every enemy, rather, of true peace, every, every enemy of genuine wholeness, wellness, and fullness will be broken and defeated. 
And the result of that light coming will be a true joy. And so this one to come, this one who comes as a child and a son, bringing the light of truth and right, comes as God's promised king who will sit on the throne of David and over his kingdom. So I want you to see and I want you to understand with me, the Lord not only shows his people the kind of person this great king will be, but he shows them the kind and quality of the rule that is to come and he says to his people with a pleading, if you will, he says to his people, trust me, trust me, be ready, be faithful, no matter how dark this world or your situation seems to be, trust me, my steadfast love has not been lost. My faithfulness remains. My king is coming. So with this brief time of reflection on a piece of the story behind the story, the great story of Christmas, we better understand why it was that the shepherds, when the angels went away from them into heaven, said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And why, after they'd gone with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. They could not keep it to themselves. It was why all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told him told them it was, his king has come. There was a long time of waiting with eager expectations and faith in a promise-keeping God that was coming to a close. In their waiting, the darkness at times must have seemed stronger than the promise of God's light to come in his king, but now the light has come. So yes, it's true that we can look back on what the Old Testament believers like Isaiah looked forward to with great longing and expectation. And while it's true that we know more than they did and we see more than they saw, but what we learn and what we see is that this Christmas we too have many good reasons to look back and to celebrate and reflect and to hear God say to his people, trust me, I have a king coming. Just as they did. But we have even greater reason, not just to look back this Christmas, but to look ahead. Because God has promised that his king would not only come, but that his king will come again. And this second coming of the king will not be with a hiding lowliness, but with a majestic greatness. We too celebrate the king that Isaiah looked for and said would come as a light, born of a virgin, Emmanuel, but we also Look ahead with anticipation at the coming of his light in full glory as king over all forever to reign. And that is why in the final chapter of the final book of the Bible, Jesus says, behold, don't forget, I'm coming soon. And by him, the father is saying to us once again, this week, this Christmas, trust me, be ready, be faithful. No matter how dark your world or your situation may seem to be, my steadfast love has not been lost. My faithfulness remains. My better king has come, and my better king is coming still. And so we too, with, 
with eager expectation like those who came before us. We can prepare and we should. We can prepare for this and every Christmas with a fresh faith that says to the Father, not just I believe you, but a fresh faith that says to the Father, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. The king who has come is coming again. I trust you. It does not matter what I see on my news feed. It does not matter the news I get from my family when it is hurting or broken. The reality is I trust you. Loved ones, the greatest preparation for Christmas as a celebration and a time of, refle of reflection is actually a fresh declaration of trust in God. And every Christmas and this very Sunday, the most important thing will not be that tree or the gifts under it. The food you will enjoy, the family you will see. But the greatest thing about this coming Sunday is that the King who has come has said to you and said to me, behold, I'm coming soon. You can trust me. I'm coming soon. <laughs> the light of the world has come. And as followers of Jesus, we live our lives fixed on him who is the light, knowing one day that the light that sometimes can seem so dim and almost overcome will one day in full view of everyone who's ever lived, will not only penetrate the darkness, but utterly defeat it. Nothing that ever threatened to defeat you will be left standing when Jesus the King comes the second time. The greatest preparation for Christian, Christmas celebration and reflection is a fresh declaration. God of the universe, I trust you. So there's your assignment for this week that is ahead. Get ready for the Christmas day that's coming. You cannot order this on Amazon. You don't get free two-day delivery. This comes on your knees 
with a heart yielded and submitted. I choose you. I choose to trust you. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoy these podcasts, take a moment to rate and review CG Life with Steve Kortz. My prayer is that God will continue to inspire and challenge you in Christ as week by week we apply the gospel faith to real life.